0: for tuning in to Hacks and Hobbies with your host, Junaid. In season two of Hacks and Hobbies, we're visited by our amazing guests coming from all walks of life. Want to learn their story, their struggles, and their journey on how they got to where they are today. So stick around. In this episode, we get to speak with Farnoosh Brak. She's a business coach, author, speaker, and she's always helping business owners, leaders, change the conversation from selling to serving. And she has an amazing book out, talks about serving versus selling. And what's really cool is I got to see Furnish speak with Earl Erdeman on LinkedIn Mastery and the the talk was really cool about service, about the service mentality, about the helping mentality, and it jived with me and it, and it resonated with my core values as well. And I was like, you know, to bring her on the show and talk to her and find out how did this all happen, like where's the story coming from, and you know what different struggles she had to go through into landing this awesome opportunity. So, Farnoosh, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you. Thank you for the kind introduction, Junaid, and for having me on your fabulous show. I can't wait to share whatever you would like to learn.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. So, what I like to get into, because we are, in you know, my audience, they love stories. And I love stories myself. And we like to, you know, hear the journey. Like, what's mm-hmm. happening, how are things coming together, and one of the things that I think I mentioned to you, uh, and probably to my audience as well, is one of my favorite parts in a movie is with when Iron Man is stuck in this cave, and he's like, how do I get out? How do I get out? And, and he was given the freedom to work on a missile, and he's like, you know what, I'm not doing that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to plan my escape, and he was able to conjure up this Iron Man suit and escape out of there. So like that journey piece was like resonated with me so much. Like none of the fighting was, you know, that's, that's like a cherry on top. But the the big cake part is getting through that process and like, oh, oh, whoa, that's awesome.
1: (laughs) Figuring it out, right? That's what excites you.
0: Absolutely figuring out. So how did you figure out and you know so tell us your journey and your story
1: sure so um um, i'll try to uh stick to the what my brother calls the cliff notes version (laughs) so um i come from a very technical background i studied electrical engineering in college then i went to grad school i got a master's degree in engineering so if you're familiar with engineering i thought everyone was but then i met a few people who are like what's that so if you may not be, good for you, but um, it is um, um, a study of a lot of logic and analysis and data and basing your decisions on a logical flow, on, on deducing, uh, on deduction. And so, you develop a very analytical, logical mind. So, um, I was in a very technical world. People around me were technical. And then I went through a long technical career, first at a startup and then at Cisco Systems, the Technology company. And I had a great career, learned a lot. But um, I remember even from my college days that uh, those of us in engineering, we almost looked down on people who were in marketing and sales. And we we felt that we were superior because our work and study was so much more intellectual and it was going to help with advancement of technology and innovation and developing solutions for improvement of humankind. I mean, I'm exaggerating a little bit. And the people who were in sales, they just had to go out there and make up a bunch of lies and sell. So this was my mentality and the culture back in engineering school. When I arrived in the corporate world in the technical space still, I felt that even though we still felt a little bit that way, we also envied the salespeople because they went to big parties and they made huge commissions and they worked Less hard, but they had respectable jobs. And so it was really interesting. And you know, this was the perspective that was forming as I grew over the years, my career. And then I decided to resign and start my own company. And when I started my own company, and those of us who have gone that that through that transition, we know that now we are responsible for creating the sale, for creating the income, for bringing in the business. It's very different from having a salary and doing your work. And so it was, it was very interesting. I was in this uh, state of, okay, I, I want the profit. I want the business. I don't want to go back to getting a job. I understand what needs to be done. I'm certainly not going to like it but I'm going to do whatever it takes. So I followed the traditional selling techniques, the marketing, the selling, the pitching, scarcity tactics, all of that. And I felt there was no other way that I could close business, whether it was for a small product or for a coaching package. And, you know, I had mediocre success with that, I will admit, uh, because obviously I didn't go back to get a job, but it didn't feel good. And please interrupt me anytime. I, I can pause. Yeah.
0: One of the things that um, like you were mentioning earlier, uh-huh. uh, engineers look down upon marketing and sales and make fun of them. And there's a huge um, industry where you could see that and well, not an industry, but the Dilbert uh-huh. comics is all around that. <laughs> like, That's
1: right. D- Dilbert was hugely popular among them.
0: <laughs> yeah, engineers Love it. And, and you will see Dilbert making fun of the marketing department. Yes. And- and um, they even had a two-season TV show Dilbert did. And mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, you want? Right. I believe it was a Scott Adams, right? Scott GD's Adams. Creators. Yes. Yes. So, so there. So you understand? You know the the um the, t- the mentality and the place that uh, you know nurtured those thoughts for good reason. Because selling, in its traditional sense, is to me nauseating. It really is. You know, these pressure techniques, scarcity, manipulations. And sometimes it's not that bad. But at the end of the day, the people who are selling have an agenda. And again, that's fine and it works cold calling works, Uh, those techniques work, that's why people do it. But for me, I felt like if I was going to be in this business for the long term to sustain it, right, we want to sustain a business so that we can build something that lasts. Uh, Some people go into business and then two years later, they're back at a job. I wanted to really have a sustainable, scalable business. And to do that, you cannot... And I, I will welcome uh, arguments against this, but I believe you cannot go against your core values and survive and thrive in the long term. So, in other words, if I hated selling Junaid and I needed to sell to to create my business, and there was no other way other than the traditional selling techniques, I could do it for a short period of time. But because of that inner conflict, I wouldn't have been able to enjoy it, to feel fulfilled, to do my absolute best in my business, and it would have led me down a path of um, less success, to say the least.
0: I mean, the entire reason you left, mm-hmm. you know, your cushy job is to create something for yourself and if you're doing if you're creating something for yourself and that's not making you feel good
1: yes isn't that the ultimate irony right yeah Exactly, exactly. I mean, I didn't want to create another job for myself. That's the overwork, uh, the workaholic version, right? Killing yourself to stay in business so you avoid getting a job or uh, feeling icky about a major part of your business, but doing it anyway. So I was very lucky that um, a few years ago, I stumbled on a few role models in the industry, in the coaching world. And one idea led me to another, and it was this, this new perspective, this new paradigm that uh, said, you don't have to sell. You can be of service. You can, you can have win-win. I know it sounds like a cliche, but you can have true win-win at the end of a conversation where you go into a conversation hoping to close business, but at the end, it may not work out. It can still be a win-win. And it was a complete paradigm shift. And I was hooked. I still didn't believe it would work, but I, and I was in a mastermind at the time. So we all decided to put those ideas of serving and creating clients, for instance, versus getting clients, different phrases, different mindset, and, and a different approach all to coaching people, coaching businesses, what have you. And um, we all had really great success with this. And, and it was so much joy and fulfillment to work with people who actually wanted to work with us and who were willing to invest at levels that really was far above what I was having trouble selling earlier in my business and to see that they were getting value far above what they invested, which spoke to the work I was doing, which built the confidence and helped me explore and be more selective and and be... Be really um, in a place where um, I have conviction that this is the way I want to run my business. I am here to serve. There are some who will resonate with me. There are many who will not. Those few are whom I'm going to serve. And I don't have to go into a selling mode in order to stay in business and thrive.
0: That is very, very, very um, deep. And, and it, makes, it makes a lot of sense because if you look at people are still selling. and the tactics that go through, maybe they're okay with that, right? Like you mentioned, if it's in your nature to be that person, sure. If it's not, then you know you're not gonna you're not gonna be happy. Mm-hmm. And the reason I like the serving attitude is because when you're serving, you're you're essentially helping a fellow man get to a point of where they can find success or they can find um, the happiness organically and I think that's what the serving the, the serving mindset uh, brings to light
1: sure sure and you know it doesn't have to be because um, because a lot of people are of this mentality like I bet your listeners we don't have to convince them that all oh, serving is good they, they already believe that I think that the, the challenge is when we actually put it into practice and sometimes we are over giving, and it's exhausting. Because if you're running a business and you're still not creating income and and sustainable results, then obviously you will resort to other means. So, um, so no, I I agree with you in that serving is beautiful. I think, and and maybe this is an area you want to explore or not. That's okay. But but how do we apply this yeah. to a practical business, and how do we bring it? Um, into a, a, you know daily, uh, daily life, daily interactions, daily conversations, in a way that actually uh, gives us results.
0: No, I would, I would definitely love to explore that because um, mm. it's something that I am discovering myself. It's something that I am learning myself and going through this journey myself. And that's why I'm, I'm, I'm filling my mind with, you know, people who have gone through the journey, who've gone through the process. Sure. sure their ideas and, and you know, reading tons of books on just so many different ways that people are either like the funnels, like these, these words are like popping up everywhere. Funnels, your avatar, your landing page your sales page. And a lot of this, it's, you know, it's all coming down to, okay, this is really interesting. It's something that I did not hear about, you know, in the in the past mainly because I wasn't going and looking for this kind of information. Mm-hmm. But it's mm-hmm. becoming more it's becoming more and more apparent as I look into creating a passive income or creating a system where it will um bring me value and bring me a sort of a a jumping off point where where I can be like, okay I gotta focus full time on here, and and I don't need to, you know, I don't need that cushy nine to five because this can actually work.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm Okay. Okay. Well, where would you like us to go in that context? I mean, I can, um, I can speak to what I kind of talk about in the book. Yeah, let's go into
0: the the area where you talk about in the book. Okay. How would somebody approach that serving? attitude or serving mentality and how would that create the outcome?
1: Sure. So um, I think the context matters here. And so where I find that the serving mindset being of most value is when we are running a service, a professional service-based business. So by that, I mean, you're offering yourself, you're the asset, you're the intellect in the business, to some extent, maybe not the only thing in the business, but, but to some extent, you as an individual, as an expert, work with others in a coaching, consulting, advisory capacity that can be IT consulting, it could be business coaching, it could be teaching, training, speaking, right? You get the idea. And that's where the first thing that I would say to those professionals is you need 100% clarity on your value. What is the value you bring to a business or to an individual? And how can you clearly articulate that to me? In other words, um, one question I like to ask is, what are three top outcomes you help your ideal client create, okay? So, that, that really helps you focus on your abilities to help an organization or an individual go from point A to point B closer toward their goals and their dreams, right? And so, and this is not about niching down. That's very different. And in fact, I don't really feel that's necessarily uh, something I agree with. So it's very different. It's about clarity. You know, for instance, I tell people, I do my best work when this situation is in in place and here are the outcomes I help you create. Here is an area that's my sweet spot and, and so on and so forth. So being able to articulate that confidently now, some of this may be challenging for those of us who come from the tech world and who are more, more shy or introverted. I know because a lot of my colleagues and peers were like that, and they feel that might be in the, in the bragging zone, or you're talking yourself up. And sure, it could be done that way by some, but not necessarily. So if, if you feel confident telling me the outcomes you help your client create That is not bragging, that is information that a prospective client needs to hear in order to make a decision as to whether to engage with you or not. And that information needs to come up at the right time in those conversations, which brings me to the number one thing, hopefully, if you take away nothing else from this conversation, I'm talking to your listeners now, please remember this, conversations, have more conversations. So, in those conversations, the whole value proposition, what you stand for, what outcomes you help people create, needs to come up at the right time. And the first thing you want to do in those conversations is first of all, have them. Don't hide behind email, don't hide behind LinkedIn messaging. Get on the phone when there is at least a little bit of a mutual interest, have a conversation have a framework for that conversation. And I talk about that in the book, but at a high level, you want to set up the context of that conversation with your prospective client. You want to lead the conversation, not be led by it every which way, but you also are an active listener and you want to take cues from your prospect, right? But you're still leading the conversation because you are, you are more or less in charge. You are sharing yourself as a resource. You are creating an experience for that prospective client. So some of us have this mindset, Junaid, that people talk to us over here, and then we have the selling conversation, which is one piece, and then they get to work with me, and, and then you're this other person that they get to work with. But that's not true. Every interaction someone has with you, they are I'm sorry to say it, but they're judging you. They are deciding if they like you, if they can trust you, if you know what you're talking about, if you are confident, because if you're not confident, it is not attractive to somebody who is lacking confidence. Exactly. You see
0: (laughs) an excellent point because it's, it's almost like when you go for a job interview, if you don't come off as confident in what you know and how you answer your uh, questions, you know, you're not going to be considered for that job. Yes. So having confidence in any conversation at all is very, very important. Yes. And and not just with human beings, it's also with pets. Mm. Like you'll see a lot of people walking their dogs, and the dog is pulling them. <laughs> right. And if you right. think about it, it's because that pet owner does not have the confidence, and the dog's like, "Oh, I'm alpha male." Not
1: or they're on their cell phone exactly or one <laughs> or those yeah, go on but the other. good point <laughs> good point, yes, and I think that uh, and again, I keep talking to my fellow techie engineer uh, guys and gals, but you may think confidence is the same as arrogance, it isn't, right, and so when you resort to complete humility, let's say you're in that conversation and you're not even sharing about yourself or not leading the conversation, not asking powerful questions, tell me about yourself, kind of being very generic, not really setting yourself apart as as that intellectual asset I talked about, you are doing yourself and this prospect a disservice. So I find it's important to be humble. If you don't know something, you say, I don't know, but I'm happy to find out. But there is that, I think that is where a lot of us um, uh, miss out on our potential. We feel we need to be humble, whereas you need to be confident because we, 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 we do, at the risk of being arrogant, we, we resort to humility. But if this prospective client doesn't hear your confidence in helping them, all your expertise and your diploma and your certification and all those acronyms, they mean nothing to them And because they want to know if you can help them and if they can really trust you. So... Um, And you don't have to be anyone other than who you are. So you don't have to be this dominant, loud, obnoxious personality, which we associate with the typical salesperson. You can be true to your character, but you still need to emphasize the confidence, clarity, your own expertise, your ability to help, your desire to help this person in that conversation so that you can arouse the curiosity in them to want to learn more about you and, and you, you lead the conversation in that direction. So I realize I'm jumping a little bit all over the place just talking about the conversations. So I'm going to defer to you to kind of lead us in the next direction, Janae.
0: No, those are, those are some very, very valid points because um, having confidence, having um, the ability to, to see You know, that you're not being arrogant and that you're being, you're coming, you're speaking from a point of expertise Mm -hmm. about what you know, which also informs the client that, okay, what you're telling me is on point is makes sense because you know, you're the expert. And sometimes I have this issue myself, like I would be talking about something and in my mind, I'm questioning myself. But then what I'm saying, you know, people will take it seriously and like, okay, that's what you said. That's what's going to happen. So then getting that kind of feedback also gives you confidence. It also raises awareness within yourself that I got this, you know, this is is, uh, probably the proper way to go. And then another way to build confidence up is, of course, reading tons of books and having more conversations, like you mentioned, the more conversations you have, the more you, um, begin to have a self awareness of yourself.
1: Yeah. Another one I I would like to add into your great list is, um, I was just talking to another engineer friend of mine who he's the true engineer. Um, I kind of left engineering behind, but the true engineer and also he runs his own company now is that, um, you want to, um, Oh my gosh, I just lost my train of thought. Uh, we were talking. Oh, yes. I was telling him that he needs to be confident. He's helped a lot of his clients. And so he didn't buy my story. And so because he's so fact driven and data driven, I said, you know what? Why don't you go to three clients that you helped recently and ask them? have them tell you what you helped them accomplish. What did they most value in working with you? And first of all, when you do that, it always surprises you because you think you helped them do X and maybe you did do that, but what they took away from the consulting or the relationship or the coaching is something else. And you need to find out what it was for them. And when we hear data, especially those of us who are more analytical from our past experience. It's a fact that we are good at what we do. And therefore that can also feed your inner confidence.
0: No, that's, that's amazing uh, segue into, into this point that, um, that I was thinking about. I've been reading the book "Ask" by Ryan Levesque and he's mm-hmm. an analytical person as well. And he said he's developed an ask method where he will go out and ask his list or his audience, hey, what is something that you're struggling with? Just like, just like you asked your friend, your engineer friend, to you ask your clients, what is it that you help with? So what that does, that gives you exactly the idea of what you need to be building your content around.
1: Yes. Yes. Very good. Yes.
0: Well, mm-hmm. oh, this, is, this is the problem I'm having. I'm like, well, I've got a solution for that. And that's, that's another thing that I'm working with, right? Because I have so many skills in so many different areas. Right. But I don't know which one to, you know, focus on because I haven't asked that main question. Where can I help you? What are you having trouble with? And then I can design my course or design my stuff around that specific item.
1: Sure. I like to give you another um, uh, angle to that because that's good, right? We want to demand uh, to uh, to be receptive to what our market or our mailing list or our prospective clients want. Of course, um, I also want to always make sure that's aligned to what i'm uh, what i'm passionate about so you know there has to be an intersection for instance i've done and i continue to do career coaching right i'm very good at it i can do it in my sleep you know i can help you navigate the corporate landscape and all the diplomacy and um and and now i'm finding you know that may not be something i am as passionate about as another another topic you know hence the serving mindset which is mainly targeted towards business owners so if your passion is pulling you in one direction and then the, the, you know, the platform you've developed is pulling you into another, I would say pause and definitely listen to why you may be pulled in this other direction. Ideally, we want intersection. There is demand, there is passion, there is income and uh, stability in this particular area that we're going to go for. And of course, that can evolve over time. For a couple of years, you can focus on one thing, then it can evolve because you evolve as an individual if you're always growing. Now, I don't know if that's going to make it more confusing for you or helpful, but I just had to share that.
0: <laughs> that's, absolutely helpful. that's absolutely helpful. You've got to find the intersection between your yes. passion and mm-hmm. what they're looking for.
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. right, 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 right.
0: And bring in the the monetization part. I think um, mm-hmm.
1: Mr.,
0: Mr. London, the... So I I joined this one group and I'm getting emails from Mr. London every day. Hmm. He wants, basically, he, he's trying to get me to join and do the challenges that he's, you know, he's like, do this exercise of coming up with your main topics with 10 different topics that you can talk about mm-hmm. and then record videos. Basically, he's walking through somebody who's totally brand new at it, Sure, and how to get, to that point where they can find that intersection between the two talent and passion that they have.
1: Right. Right. I mean, you can also just experiment. You can take this whole, the whole methodical approach of doing a bunch of videos and setting up a mailing list and just like building based on what you think you want to teach or, or offer, or you could experiment. You could um, secure Two clients and experiment on a particular area of expertise that you have and see how you like it. Because if you haven't done it, Junaid, you may think it may feel a certain way to say, consult people in XYZ, but when you start doing it, you realize the reality of it and maybe it's easier, maybe it's harder, maybe there is other elements. So nothing beats first-hand experience. That is my point here. So if you can, and it's okay to explore before you decide this is the topic of my book or this is the topic of my course. So um, I think if you're in that phase, um, how much have you explored? How many conversations have you had? How much have you tested the depth of your knowledge, right? Because depth, I think is also important. A lot of people have surface level knowledge on a lot of things, but how many things can you go deep on? Like you can talk about it for four, hours a straight and you're just getting warmed up mm-hmm. so
0: I totally, I totally get that and um, um, so there's a lot of different things for me um, one is mobile video production and mainly because I've been mm-hmm. passionate about this specific area of video production for the past 10 years since as long as we've had the smartphone and being a photographer and a videographer it makes sense to me to talk about these tech technology stuff. Mm-hmm. Plus I've been blogging about technology for the past 10, 15 years. And I feel like, you know, I have a grasp on technology. I have a grasp on, you know, what to look for when you're either building a computer, either you're, you know, setting up mm-hmm. um, a shot, a lot of different things. And, and um, so far what I've done is I've written a chapter on Strategies to success on this mobile video production. So Mm -hmm. um, I've got to go into and and edit my document, edit my chapter, and make sure that it all sounds good. And um, it'll be off to the races. Hmm? See what happens there. Right. So so yeah. So that's exactly what I did last year's. You know, figuring out what it is that I can, based on my passion, based on my passion, and based on the talent and based on what the market is looking for. And with this um, mm-hmm. rising age of video, not just on YouTube and, and Facebook, but also on LinkedIn, like LinkedIn just jumped into video last year. Mm-hmm. And there's so many people on LinkedIn that, that are doing video that are, you know, they could be doing video much better. Mm-hmm.
1: And um,
0: so that's, I think that's my target audience. I'm, I'm still mm-hmm. articulating and, and building up the material to see, okay, I need to go ask questions. I need to go, you know, help them give me feedback and, and be receptive. So then I can continue and building on that.
1: Yeah. No, I hear you. I hear you. I mean, it sounds like, you know, you've thought it through and um, now it's time to kind of test your ideas, right? And see how it goes. Yes, exactly.
0: Yeah, And if that doesn't work, I can always, you know, go and talk about beekeeping.
1: I was just going to say that. <laughs> <laughs> that is fascinating. Bees yeah. are amazing.
0: <laughs> yeah. We just had a um, beekeeping class started back up uh, this spring. And um, over over last year, because I'm also in uh, Cub Scouts, my son goes is a Cub Scout. Oh. And um, the den leaders, uh, like a few of the den leaders and, and – um, in Kipschka they're like oh my god you're in beekeeping I want to do beekeeping as well so when the class started this spring right had um you know four people show up that were all referred by me and when they're doing their introduction they're like oh um Janae Janae Janae's doing it so I'm doing it
1: (laughs) See, that's called influence. Okay. And it's in the most unexpected place because you're passionate about something. They hear about it. They are passionate. And now, you know, this little class has formed. Ideas have come together. People have come together. Yeah. That's awesome.
0: I'm calling myself the Beefluencer.
1: <laughs> there you go. Very clever, Junaid.
0: <laughs> hmm. so maybe there's something there. I mean, I did buy a domain name called My Humble Bees last year because I was like. I'm going to produce all this content all around bees and I can just post it on here. You know, but,
1: you might be joking, but I'm going to tell you amazing <laughs> things happened, Like still to my shock. When I started getting fascinated and addicted to green juicing in 2007, I started and I, and I had no intention, no business idea behind it. I just wanted to juice and write about it and share about it. And that led to a blog, then a mailing list, then a little tiny ebook that I wrote while I was on vacation, which sold like hotcakes, which led to my publisher who found me, which then led to a book and then to four more books, not all on juicing because I followed this passion. So it's like this side hobby. Hobby, And now those books have sold combined, I don't know, 160,000 copies overall and it's ridiculous and I would have never said oh I'm setting out to start a proper green juicing business no
0: no it's all it's all from the hobby
1: yes and and you know you can't bet on that you can't count on on that working out and you pay your mortgage I get that but what could happen if you are just open to that idea you can still do your other stuff but what if you also listen to the hobby, the passion, and just explore and be curious? So, you know, don't be kidding. Like, go put out the website. Go let the passion drive it. See where it takes you. And uh, you might have a book deal. Yeah. Right?
0: No, you're absolutely right. Because um, I was listening to Tim Ferriss, mm-hmm. talk to, um, Gordon, Joseph Gordon-Levitt and so joseph gordon levitt started this site with his brother called hit record and it was just a side project it was just a hobby but he said five years later like he's got a huge community there are movies coming together there are <laughs> short films and you know and people are like backing this and he's like I'm, i want to do this full time yeah it's like I had never thought that it would become something. Right. And Tim Ferriss said the same thing. He said, you know, I started out as an author. He wrote the four-hour work week. Right. And then he had to do another four-hour book. And he was like, you know, I was not feeling joy. And then so what he started doing, he started doing the podcast. He's mm. like, I love podcasting. I love the podcast and the aspect around it. Yeah. And so that's what he's, that's what he does. Yeah. Um, JLD, John Lee Dumas, he you know, he's got a huge podcast. And if you want to be a speaker, and this is something I learned recently, if you want to be a guest on his show, you got to pay up.
1: You have to pay now. I've already been on his show, but that was years ago, a couple of times. So you have really? to pay to be on his show now. Are you serious? That's
0: what I heard. That's what I heard. Um, wow. $5,000. So you were on John Lee Dumas's
1: Twice. Yeah. <laughs> I have
0: to go check out those, I'll have to go check them out.
1: I guess oh. I owe him $10,000. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Too funny. Yeah. So, and you know, some of those are sort of like your extraneous circumstances, your, your I'm a one in a million, uh, you know, things that, you know, a lot of people do all of those, they follow those methods, but maybe there's one or or few of them that come, come out to be so successful. And, and I think, uh, because that sometimes discourages people. Genade, they think, "Oh, there's all these other people who are trying, but there's only one that that succeeded." Or it's too late for me. This this uh, ship has sailed. But I think what we don't understand is how you could you could play even a smaller role. Like you could have a tenth of his success and still be pretty successful, and still have. a a very comfortable side income and, and give yourself freedom. So, um, it's sort of like the, the pressure to be that successful is actually not helpful, but as long as it's inspiring to, to help you kind of explore in a different direction, but not put expectations on yourself, because I find that is, that is not always very, um, fruitful when we pressure ourselves. Yeah.
0: That's absolutely right. I mean, it, it totally makes sense. And, um, I was like, wow, that's really interesting information because the podcast that I was listening to, he's saying, you know, get on as many podcasts as you can as a guest because it, it, it again brings market. It It's, it's like marketing your business or your services.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, right. right.
0: Well, we talked about hobbies. We, we talked about <laughs> and the awesome things you have on there. We've got just a few questions towards the end of the show. So Let's what do is, it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, let's do it. What is one hobby that you wish you got into?
1: I wish I got into music. Mm. Um, ideally violin or piano. And we actually have a beautiful piano at home, but it's um uh, mostly for my husband. And um, I wish, yeah, as a kid I got into music, but um I've forgiven my parents. That's okay. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I can relate. I can totally relate. To yeah,
1: that. <laughs> I think that would be really a soothing hobby in this digital day and age that we live in, and uh, creating music, having the ability to create music. So, hmm.
0: Um, um, I love music as well. I listen to a lot of music, and I have the GarageBand apps on my phones, and mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, I want to, I want to create a beat. I want to do this and that. Yeah. Um, so the music intro for this show is actually a friend of mine who wrote this music,
1: nice. and
0: I gave him I gave him many rides to the to the train station. <laughs> like you know, I can put you back in the music. I was like, sure, wow. absolutely, looking for some music for my podcast. Sweet. And so then he played back some tracks. So that was awesome. Okay, what is your favorite movie or TV show? And if none, how about a book?
1: Mm, I have so many favorite books. Um, um, I would say one of my favorite movies, and this is not going to sound very intellectual, but it's Robin Williams and Nathan Lane in The Birdcage.
0: It is
1: the funniest and um, just the most lovely movie to settle down with. I love that movie. I mean, I love tons of movies. You know, we go to the Toronto International Film Festival every year and I um, I get a chance to watch movies that don't make it to the big screen. You know, it's a, it's where it's the premieres happen and it's a great, great festival. But that's the one that I wanted to share because if you haven't seen it, and of course, you know, it's a... Um, It's a reminder of Robin Williams and the talent that we lost. So, yeah, good one. Mm
0: -hmm. I will have to check it out. I have seen that um, front cover before, but I've never. So
1: good. So good. I might have to go watch it again now that I'm talking about it. You better go on.
0: (laughs) I will go on. All right. Uh, What is your favorite superhero?
1: You know what? I really like this is gonna sound really silly, but I really like Edna in the Incredibles. Mm-hmm. So um, Edna designs the suits. Yes. and she's really cranky and um, just really not a people person, if you will, but I just adore her. and very bossy, but you know she is behind all the hero work, if you will, because she designed the suits. <laughs> So she is my favorite character. Mm, we don't get enough of her.
0: <laughs> and um, awesome. So last question. If you were a board game, what would it be?
1: Oh, a board game. Um, you know, I didn't grow up playing a lot of board games. Um, I grew up in Iran and the only board game we would play, well, my parents would play and we would watch them because I didn't speak English when I was younger. was a Scrabble. Okay. So um, I guess I couldn't be Scrabble, could I?
0: <laughs> Absolutely Scrabble.
1: Oh, okay. All right, then I'll be Scrabble. Yes, it's a very special game to me. And it's words and language and things that I love so much. So there we go. I'll be Scrabble. Perfect.
0: <laughs> well, thank you so much, Pranosh. This was an awesome conversation. We learned a lot. And uh, thank you so much for your time.
1: My absolute pleasure. Thank you for your very unique questions and a wonderful conversation, Junaid.
0: Absolutely. Have a good day.
1: Good cheers. Bye.